Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry. As we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager, your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, Mr. Robbie Duncan McNeil. Hi, Robbie. Well, hello, sir. How are you? I need to draw notice to what's going on, what I'm wearing here. Mm -hmm. Um, If you recall, you got a gift of a Heinz Ward jersey. I did. From a certain Bill Yu, one of our our, uh, followers on Delta Flyers. Well, he also sent me this. Actually, what do you have there? Let me see. Well, I'm going to read the, can I read the, I'm going to read the oh, yeah. little message here. It says, cause I said, I'm jealous. I remember on the podcast, I said, I'm yes. jealous that Robbie got that. And then he wrote jealous Garrett. That will not do. I never wanted that for the two of you. It's all rhyming by the way. <laughs> yes, what you don't know is that I always had plans to honor you both as huge football fans, but Robbie came first and I had quite some trouble figuring out which team you'd like during this COVID bubble. Megan Elise tried to help. Oh yes, she did. With Twitter DMs, we sneakily hid, but watching your podcast, I now have a sense of what I could send you to make things less tense. Chosen from my collection with thoughts and with care though not your favorite i hope with pride you will wear so that's on the outside and on the yes. inside oh ensign my ensign a raider owed to garrett wong and harry kim a raider never thinks about ranks nor promotions praise or did someone say thanks he does his job although sometimes it's rough but even without coffee a raider is tough las vegas or california with oakland and la just like you growing up then moving away you made your name proud no matter the town just like the silver and black legend hall of famer tim brown so go wear your black as you are likely to do megan elise can wear white to look as beautiful as you don't take my word for it people made it clear oh and my asian brother happy lunar new year wow. much love and respect Respect, DF Commander Bill Yu, Station Markham, Ontario, Ontario, Canada, February 2021. Wow. Very nice. So this is a Tim Brown jersey. Tim Brown, for the people who don't know football, uh, was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. He then went to Notre Dame uh-huh. uh, for his college, and he won the Heisman Trophy. Which is rare for, really? wide rece- for a wide receiver, yeah, you have to I admit. Know that. Not a lot of wide receivers win the Heisman, right? So he won it as a wide receiver at Notre Dame. He was the first round pick. He was the sixth pick in 1988 to the Oakland Raiders, um, in which, of course, they've moved around so much now. They're the Las Vegas Raiders. They were in L.A. at one point. Uh, and he played almost his entire career with the Raiders. He did play a, a very short stint with the Bucks, But I'm flattered because, you know, my hometown is Las Vegas now. So that's, this is probably the reason why he chose this. Oh, yeah. And what I really like about this guy, um, and by the way, Tim Brown did make the National Football League Hall of Fame in 2015. That was his induction uh-huh. year. And... What I love about Tim Brown is Tim Brown's one of those players that, and you'll agree with me, some of the most showboaty players in the NFL are wide receivers. The ones that are really, you know, they've got the crazy hair. They're the most Tom Paris-like. They're the (laughs) most, yes, the most Tom Paris. But this guy is truly humble, which I really love. I don't, you know, he doesn't wear all the flashy earrings and that really, really kind of pisses me off when I see players wearing earrings while they're playing the game it's like take your damn jewelry off you know you don't need to be showboating like that so he's a humble wide receiver and that's one of the 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 most admirable qualities of this guy so right. thank you bill you for your gift now i can feel like i'm matching robbie um 
and he's a very good poet. I think, you know, the Delta Flyers is a podcast. We have inspired a lot of poetry in the world these days. We have. Our haikus, our limericks, all of that. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, yeah. And now Bill is writing a a beautiful poem about uh, football jerseys and... And metaphors of the Raiders and your life. And it's wonderful. I love, see all of this football and sci-fi and poetry. It can all belong together. It can all coexist. And I do think that we have inspired this poetry, not a revolution, but a revival almost. A revival of poetry, which is I love that, yes. Do you know, Ethan Phillips sent me a poem just the other day. Really? uh, Because he, uh, yeah, because he had known that we were doing poetry on our show and you want to read, read it a, to us it's a long one i don't know oh, it's a long it, okay it was All a right. very long poem but it was beautiful yeah and um and i just thought oh wow that's really interesting that like people are noticing our poetry on the podcast yeah they're starting to notice our you know we're paying attention i've been writing some poems in my free time and my journaling and things yeah. like that so and i've been commenting yes. to your whenever you post on instagram um, there's been a couple of times I comment yep. via haiku is what I'll do. Yes. So, um, that's I love it. the way that we should communicate with each I, other from now on. I think yeah. everyone should speak in poems we should. from now on. <laughs> okay. So this okay. week's episode, Robbie, is, yes. uh, is flashback. So I think we should go and watch this episode and uh, let's, let's uh, give everybody yeah. our thoughts after we watch it. And everyone who happens to be a Patreon patron, please stay tuned for your bonus material. Hey guys, we are back from viewing flashback. Yes, we are. I had a lot of flashbacks <laughs> during that v- reviewing. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna say something. I was going to say exactly what you were going to say because we're having a mind meld, you and I, right now. Go. Bran and Braga was the writer of this episode. See, mm-hmm. we were mind melding. You were mind melding. You were going to say it. I was going to say it. We're like we're mind melding. Brandon Braga wrote. Bra, Brandon Braga, my dear friend, wrote it. David Livingston was the director. I actually knew that before it, his credit even came up. I was like, "Oh, this is a David Livingston episode." I can what? tell. I can tell because of the lenses. He was the one director who would order special lenses that we didn't normally carry on the show. Usually, the wide-angle lens. It was a ten millimeter or twelve millimeter lens or something almost a fisheye lens. He would always order that lens up. I remember Marvin talking about it a lot because he would shoot. David Livingston was a big, the director, a big fan of um, Alfred Hitchcock. And so this episode, I could see so many moments that were inspired by slash borrowed from slash copied from Alfred Hitchcock moments in Psycho, in vertigo in right. uh, nor- uh, north by northwest like great moments that david livingston would use you know we talked to marvin rush uh who directed the thaw and marvin talked about his inspiration from frederico fellini mm-hmm. the visuals and the ideas but david livingston always used alfred hitchcock as a as a role model and i could see it from the get-go in this episode you're saying from the teaser scene in the mess hall, you already yes. saw that he was using literally, okay. literally right. there was some strange angles, like you know the the juice in front of Tuvok and the wide angle lens, or mm. that high angle over 
Neelix uh, cooking the eggs behind him. You know, it's yeah. just unusual angles that I'm always a fan of unusual angles, but sometimes I feel like when David Livingston directed it, you were aware you were, you know, um, outside of the story a little bit and aware of, oh, that's a weird angle. That's an unusual angle. We don't normally mm. do that. So okay. I, was, I was aware very quickly. Anyway, let's do our synopsis. Synopsis. Poetic uh, synopsis, as, poetic as we synopsis. say. Yeah, so you can start off with your I will haiku. start off with my haiku. You know, a haiku is a very, it's just an impressionistic rendering. <laughs> this is a hard one to capture in a, in a haiku and, a, and probably a limerick, always hard. But here's my haiku. So the haiku goes five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Here we go. Two vox scary thoughts. Bad gaseous anomaly. Janeway gets no tea. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Nice. I, just, I, I had to get like gaseous it. anomaly in there because that's good. It. We're going to have a whole conversation about gaseous anomalies during this. I know. I love recap, it. By the way, I love it, and I found myself. As I was watching this episode, I was thinking of the haiku, which is incorrect. I have to do the limerick now. So I was still in haiku mindset, unfortunately. Mm. All right, here we go. So here's limerick time. my limerick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> here we go. My limerick for flashback. A nebula is encountered by the ship. Tuvok gets dizzy and starts to flip. He ends up in sick bay. Must mind meld with Jane Way. The doctor saves his mind from a one-way trip. <laughs> nice. You like that it? Guy, you got it. You All didn't right. have gaseous anomaly in there. But, no. But you did get a very good, yeah. very meaningful, very appropriate, yeah. and encapsulating limerick. That was very good. Yeah. I wanted to utilize Sulu somehow in Me there, too. but I couldn't. I just couldn't squeeze it in there. But you had the tea. You had the tea part. Uh, so yeah, Janeway gets good. no tea. Yeah. Okay. Which made me laugh, by the way, when she stopped. She was like, you never brought me tea. <laughs> yeah, that's because you line. only drink coffee, lady. Uh, right. But yeah, that was um, that was good. That was a laughable line for yeah. all of us, for myself included. Yeah. Okie dokie. So um, we start out in the teaser uh, scene is in the mess hall with Tuvok and Neelix. Poor Neelix, by the way. Still, everybody, all every writer <laughs> makes fun of his cooking. And I don't know why. I don't know why he yeah. can't be a great cook. Why would, you know? Yeah. But anyway, he's not. Well, he burns the food in this one. He's it's not his it, right? fault, though. No, there's, there's, no. A, there's an energy surge and the there is go like that. Really, big. there is. There is. But Tuvok Agreed. is impressed with the juice after complaining <laughs> for a long time. He drinks it and he says, impressive. So. <laughs> And so that's a compliment excited. yes yeah that's that's a win for neelix there right yes. yes that's a good thing so then uh you know we get called to the bridge and mm-hmm. um guess what we see tom paris only once in this episode in the whole <laughs> episode you see me once in the foreground i have zero lines oh no my- you have a line you have a line it's off camera though what? Did you realize that? Yeah, no. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the shot is basically we look at the nebula and the, we see the nebula on the view screen. Yep. And then the shot 
uh, it starts on you, but it's it's moving immediately. So it pans past you. And as it pans past you, you hear your only off-camera line. You I say, like I'm picking up a lot of plasmatic turbulence in there. It might be a bumpy ride, but it's so subtle and so lowered in volume that you can miss it. And evidently, wow. you did I, miss it. You I missed, missed your it. own line. I missed yeah. my own line. Your one sentence line yep. and your one shot that you have. And of course, the camera keeps panning until it reaches Tuvok's face wow. at the tactical station. And that's it. And he's... He's uh, he's that's dizzy. Always, that's always see Robbie. Yeah, the whole episode. <laughs> the whole episode. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Tuvok gets gets dizzy. He's experiencing um, mm -hmm. uh, this memory, a flashback as a child, uh, where he's holding on to this little girl, and and they're at the top of this precipice, this cliff, and she's she's like, "Help me!" And he can't help her. He loses his grip on her, and she falls to probably her death we don't see it all the way yeah right? it's yeah. very compelling you know uh nightmare that he has there because you're like wow we're gonna see this story about a young tuvok and vulcan mm -hmm. i assumed because he was a child mm -hmm. and and who is this human that seemed uh, you know so many yeah. questions from the from the memory but of course we learn later on in in our story what that memory really yeah is. can i just interrupt very quickly the yeah. the image of that child of the young tuvok he is uncredited, this, this actor. His name is Demetrius Lawson. Mm. But I will say this, great casting. That oh, looked yeah. just like what I would think Tim Russ looked like uh -huh. as a child. I mean, agreed. very, very good. Yeah, so, um, agreed. And I'm going to throw in very quickly, this is a random observation. The character of Walt Lloyd, the young African-American child on the TV series Lost, is also a dead ringer for Tim Russ no. as a child. <laughs> so for those of you Lost fans, um, take a look at uh, uh, young Walt Lloyd played by Malcolm David Kelly. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I also have to bring this up. So mm. we're on the bridge before Tuvok has his nightmare and, and collapses or whatever gets dizzy and disoriented. Yeah. Before that, we're talking about this anomaly, this, mm -hmm. this gaseous anomaly as, as it's put many times in this episode yeah people refer to grace lee whitney by the way grace lee whitney who i knew somebody else besides yes. george was in this grace lee yes. whitney um anyway uh she talks about the gaseous anomaly all the time and i yeah. just want all the fans to know that tim russ ethan phillips and myself over the lifetime of our series had sort of a <laughs> A competition, if you will, a <laughs> a game that we played that included uh, methane propulsion. Anyway, we would we would use the term gaseous anomaly. I remember yeah. everybody used Kate on the bridge yeah. would talk about, oh my God, who let the gaseous anomaly? Yeah. So it became a whole thing. Yeah, and this must have been the episode where we got that gaseous anomaly because it's, it's, I feel like I can see Kate almost <laughs> laughing a number of times when, when that phrase is, is used. So I, uh, know. I was very excited. And then they say, by the way, they say it's a gaseous anomaly with uh, high levels of ceruleum. And they say, yes, it's a highly combustible energy source like <laughs> a fart. Um, and then where are we going to store it? And and Ethan goes, you can store the gaseous anomaly 
in 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 my kitchen or or no janeway says we're, <laughs> we're gonna store it the only place we can store it is down there in the closet in your kitchen so i just find it ironic that ethan phillips will be storing the gaseous anomaly himself because uh, he was one of the uh the players in our game anyway yes that was what i affectionately refer to as fart wars but really it was gaseous anomaly wars is what it was. was i do find it curious that that as actors on Star Trek, we were so affected by this techno babble to the point that we stopped calling farts farts. We called them gaseous anomalies. Yeah. And I think that's so dadgum funny that we, we techno babbleized the word fart. Yes. I mean, typically people are like, who cut the cheese? We didn't use any of those typical modern day no. references to farts. No. We just said, who, you know, someone just let go of a gaseous anomaly. And that's mm -hmm. how we referred to it for mm -hmm. the extent of the, of the, uh, yeah. series yeah right? we did yes yeah. we did i think yeah. that's an important milestone for us to recognize in this episode I... <laughs> that this episode began a well a very think... popular tradition <laughs> of gaseous anomalies on our series and, and it's like everyone has gaseous anomalies but the three people Everybody. that had the most were you tuvok and neelix and we i were, think the culmination we the most vulcan um, vocal, vocal about it yes <laughs> you were the most gaseous about it i was gonna it? say so what, the most vulcan say? but no the, the most, most vo vocal <laughs> yes your rectums were the most vocal that's for sure uh but i'm gonna say i'm yes. gonna is that where the term stop talking out of your ass comes from i don't know maybe but yeah. I, I just want to say the the culmination of this gaseous anomaly wars or at least this period of gaseous anomalies was the time that Tim Russ asked for the sound team to come over to his station. He asked our head of sound if it was okay if they brought the boom over and recorded something. And they were like, sure, what, what do you need to record? Well, I need to record my gaseous anomaly. And he literally, <laughs> Tim Russ let out oh, a gaseous anomaly that lasted probably for a good two and a half minutes. No, I mean, this was the longest. No. Oh my God. Oh yes. It was, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Oh, you, I don't know where you were. I remember I, I was standing there watching and I kept thinking, what are we, why is there no producer walking up and yelling at us going, what are you guys doing? You're wasting all this time. Why are we, why are we recording his fart? But it was so long and yeah. so, and it had so many levels to it. Wow. It was just like, it was the most amazing amazing thing I, well, I've I ever... think it's important that we've taken this time to really delve into <laughs> gaseous anomalies because it is the inciting event in this episode so hey uh, i wonder how many people are still with us after this some people may have just <laughs> we may have just crossed a yeah. line into gaseous anomaly we might have lost some people yeah we might just... we might have okay okay so uh, back to our story hmm so they, go. uh, he goes down the hallway, T Tim yeah. uh, or, or Tuvok goes down the hall. He's trying to make his way to sickbay and yeah. collapses there in sickbay. The doctor says that he basically had a panic attack that he's got yeah. this, uh, this um, you know, repressed memory or something. He, maybe he didn't figure that out yet. He puts on the cord neurocortical stimulator, yeah. Um, yeah. which by the way, looked a lot like the doctor's hollow emitter, mobile hollow emitter that we're going <laughs> to come to down the road. So that yeah. may have been a repurposed prop of some sort, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Did you notice when Tuvok passes out, this is the first time we really get a good look at the carpet. 
Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it has a very interesting design, you know, interesting. it's just like, yeah, it's sort of a gray with teal, you know, undertones underneath it, like a diamond pattern. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I was just staring at that going, wow, that's our carpet. We never have a really good close up of the carpet. Of the carpet. This was a really good close up. And it's interesting because if you compare this to if you're watching, if you watch Discovery on their bridge, there's no carpet. It's just it's just like, I don't know, it's floor just or something flat floor. Yeah, it's just this epoxy floor base. I don't know, but there's no carpet. It's just um, it's like cement. It's, it's just it's it's really, really. Uh, well, I know that it's got a nice sheen to it. <laughs> I know that um, carpet may be because. Gene Roddenberry, who then passed this on to um, Rick Berman, who became obsessed with it, was mm. that in a in a starship you would not hear footsteps. Um, you wouldn't hear, oh. you know, you wouldn't hear the noises of a wooden floor or creaks or kind of that echoey sound that it mm. that on a starship you wouldn't hear the footsteps because it would be so deadened and you know I, I don't know. I know that was an obsession because huh. a lot of times I remember in looping when we go to, to re-record some dialogue, it was often, I would say like, why are we doing this? And they'd say, oh, because you can hear the footsteps underneath and uh, Rick doesn't want any footsteps. That's on, really bizarre. On the, on the starship. Yeah. So the carpet I, may have been a hand-me-down for let's make everything as quiet as possible. Huh. Rather than a like a design choice, like rather than a, you know, a, um, yeah, an aesthetic choice, it was for the sound quality. Well, yeah. I mean, if you compare it to, let's face it, what what you know, <laughs> if, we, if you look at our rank, our rankings, they're naval rankings, right? I mean, basically, mm-hmm. we are basically a ship in space or a submarine, and if you look at naval vessels. There's no carpet. It's all metal, you know, that they're yeah. all walking on metal, corrugated metal, whatever. I mean, there's no carpet. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny. That yeah. Carpet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, continue. So we're in sick bay. Okay. So we're in sick bay. He gets a hollow emitter and Tuvok goes back to his quarters where he decides to play Vulcan Jenga. Um, <laughs> he's got the blocks and he's stacking them. Uh, I think the, the name of the game is Kathera. 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 And then Cass t- kind of mispronounces it a little bit by saying Kathera, mm-hmm. but it's Kathera from Tuvok's mouth. Kathera. And, yes, and it's a meditation I, aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cass has come to adjust the monitor. And uh, I, the thing I found interesting in that scene was when, when Kess is leaving, Tuvok stops her and says, Kess. And then um, she turns. And she pauses for a moment and she says, it's all right, I understand. And then she leaves. And I wonder, oh. was that a telepathy moment? Because they don't, like Kess and Tuvok yeah. worked their telepathy powers. And I found that a really interesting moment. My assumption was that that when he, when he says Kess and she stops, that they speak somehow telepathically, you know, that he says, you know, I'm sorry, or I don't know, whatever he says. Hmm. She says, it's all right. I understand. So it was a nice little detail, but I, I liked that moment. That's a good catch. 
I didn't notice that at all. And um, you wrote Vulcan Jenga. I wrote Tuvok plays futuristic Jenga in club at Club Tuvok because once again, (laughs) Tuvok's quarters Uh looks like a nightclub, as we've uh, established in a prior episode to this Uh uh, resolutions. So um, yeah, that's a good catch. I did not see her, you know, kind of using telepathy. I mean. If she, I don't or know. Or maybe it she's was... just in tune. Maybe she's just in tune with him, right? Yeah. Just like you knew I was going to say written by, directed by, you yeah. were in tune with me. So, yeah. Right? But it yeah. could have been. I, it's, but it was a nice little moment that I thought was um, was interesting. I also noticed in Tuvok's quarters, it reminded me that, um, you know, we had, we had a couple different star fields on our set. We had kind of a, a, a star field that they could pull like a curtain that was a static star field that just kind of sat there. But then we had this thing that was on motors that remember the moving star field that they would use sometimes. Yeah. It would just move very slowly. And then it would, it would come or it would kind of loop around a corner and just, it was just in a loop. It was set on a loop. Right. Yeah. And it was a big giant curtain that was hung to loop around. Mm-hmm. So it would, it would come in front of the, uh, you know, by the window and it would move past very slowly. But yeah. I remember when we started the series, they couldn't get that thing going. I guess they had had so many problems on TNG with um, times where they were supposed to be, the ship was supposed to be moving, but they didn't want to do a green screen outside because it cost so much money. So they decided to build this mechanical moving Starfield, but it didn't work for a long time. Like it was noisy. Mm. I don't know if you remember mm. that, but I think on the pilot, they had trouble getting it. And I don't know if it was a no. a hand-me-down from TNG or a response to the cost of green screens every time, but they wow. were trying to figure out the moving thing. And I think they finally got ours dialed in so it would move very, very slowly. That would keep yeah. the, no- the noise down. Yeah. So they'd use it sometimes, but... Uh, I never heard it. I never heard anything from it. I, every time they used it, and it, they always used it when we were in the mess hall. I remember seeing that thing, you know, outside the mess yeah. hall windows, right? So... Um, but yeah, I guess they worked out all the kinks. They worked out the kinks. There were some kinks during the pilot, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought of that as, as, as we looked at the scene in Tuvok's quarters. Cause yeah. After the quarters, we have a scene where it's Tuvok and Chakotay doing a walk and talk down the corridor. Mm-hmm. Did you notice how close they were? I mean, it was almost like they were holding hands. That's how close they were. They were in well, sometimes, such unison. You know, actors, as an actor, you don't know when you're doing a scene like this, a walk and talk, as you'd call, as we'd call it, walking down mm-hmm. the, the hall. Mm-hmm. You don't know how wide the frame is. So you they may have gotten the the direction to, hey, can you guys stay real close together so that we keep you in the frame? I'm sure yeah. they must have gotten that direction. Yeah. But it's funny because the the size of the frame that that they ended up having could have allowed them to move apart a little bit, but mm-hmm. they probably got that direction early on and just <laughs> stayed really close. Yeah, um, they they literally to me they look like uh, what are those uh, what are those Air Force fighters that that put on shows um the blue angels Angels, they look like blue angels in formation it was the blue angels are are navy by the way you're gonna we're gonna sorry sorry we're gonna get crap on that right blue angels are navy thunderbirds are the air force correct okay so blue angels are navy uh yes so let's say a blue angels uh navy formation (laughs) let's get that right there's a line that chakotay has when he's like he's like uh you know i'm asking because i'm just worried about you Chakotay <laughs> says, and uh, then Tuvok says, "Well, yeah, this is what's going on." Mm-hmm. And Chakotay's advice, 
<laughs> to me, I laughed out loud because it's just so non so much non advice. He goes, try not to think about it for a little while. Sometimes when you don't think about something, a solution will come to you. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm having panic attacks. Just try not to think about it. That's great advice <laughs> from the spiritual warrior Chakotay. Just yeah. repress it. Just turn uh, it off. Turn <laughs> off your feeling. Turn off your brain. Try not to think about it. I think that that would have been funnier if he and he if Chicote said, "Yeah, you know what? Try not to think about it sometimes, and just you know, it's, sometimes a, a, a solution will come to you." Akuchimoya. Just if he ended it with with some spiritual (laughs) word. Mumbo jumbo. Yes. By the way, um, that was a Steadicam shot coming down the hall. So the operator holding the Steadicam because often we would use the dolly for those shots. They would just put the camera on the dolly and they'd pull the dolly backwards. But I noticed that shot went all the way into engineering and there were there were a couple of steps when you came into engineering. So that had to be Steadicam in there. Yeah. Which means a specific person who is called a steady cam operator would have been used somebody mm-hmm. who has been trained in the art of steady cam which really is not that easy correct no. robbie i mean no, this is a heavy heavy device with the fulcrum and there's all this stuff going on to sort of balance that camera yeah. but you need i mean there's a harness that they're wearing and they have to have someone guiding them so they don't trip and fall backwards whatever mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff that goes into steady cam yeah. operation yeah um, I did notice in the scene in engineering a lot of uh, Hitchcockian sort of angles again. Um, mm-hmm. And guess yeah. who's in engineering? Harry's in engineering. Harry and your love. I together. know. Together again. Paris is nowhere to be found this episode. No, no. No, no, no Paris at all. It's mm-hmm. just Torres and Kim hanging out doing work yeah. like they always do okay tuvac has another flashback there debilitating flashback he falls down onto the ground so now he's taken back to sick bay mm-hmm. where we realized where we realize that there's a repressed memory and in vulcan medicine it's called a talokan schism <laughs> yeah a talokan schism yeah talokan schism which sounds or like... a repressed memory yes <laughs> But the thing that's interesting for Vulcans with repressed memories, mm-hmm. it ends up being a physical battle that that what for humans may just be an emotional trauma or something. Correct. For Vulcans, this becomes physically, uh, he says he could literally lobotomize himself because his brain will fight, physically fight so hard yeah, between the conscious and the unconscious. So yeah. that's an interesting trait of a Vulcan mind that it, Mm -hmm. that it takes this sort of repressed memory because it has, you know, it has no control over it. Yeah. Can't control it. And it becomes a real thing. So, so it's dangerous to Tuvok because it could uh, cause brain damage to Tuvok. So the cure, what is the cure to initiate a mind meld with a family member? Mm -hmm. Tuvok doesn't have any family members on this ship. He considers other Vulcans on this ship, but then he feels nah, I think I'm going to go with Janeway because the key, the reason why it's a mind meld with a family member is because you need to mind meld with someone that you have the ultimate trust yeah. with. And he has that with Janeway or he trusts Janeway more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So then he kind of asked Janeway, will you be part of this mind meld? Will you act as my Pelora, which is the Vulcan word for guide or counselor during the mind meld in which she will be more of an observer 
and a guide than anything else, right? Yep. So she agrees, they do this mind meld mm -hmm. and uh, we pop out on the Excelsior and Sulu is revealed stepping out of a gaseous anomaly. I got goosebumps the minute he came out. I'm like, oh my God, there he is. You missed my joke. He stepped out of a oh, gaseous anomaly. He stepped, out <laughs> he stepped out of a gaseous anomaly. Come on. By the way, Janice Rand, uh, uh, she, she talks about gaseous anomalies a lot. But yes, you're right. I did get goosebumps and yeah. I laughed a little when he stepped out of a gaseous anomaly. Well, now that makes me think of Sulu should have stepped out of the gaseous anomaly and should have said like, who cut the cheese? Duvok, was it you? I'm stepping right through your gaseous anomaly. Who did this? So that would have been yeah, funny. That would have been mm. funny. And yeah, and Grace Lee Whitney, who is Grace Janice Lee Rand. Yeah. Uh, and I was wrong. I thought it was Nurse Chapel, but um, in in real and to be honest, I had Grace Lee Whitney's face in my head when I said Nurse Chapel, but I just got uh -huh. it wrong. Um, she was Yeoman Janice Rand, I think. That's right. Right. Yeah. And I think that she was actually she was not in the pile. There's some history about her that she was like on for the first season. Some. Mm -hmm. And then they got rid of her for yeah. budget cuts or something. And then yep. the conventions, she became so popular at conventions that they put her into the movies, that they brought her back yeah. into yeah. the movies. So Well, there's some, there's some controversy there. I guess she wrote a book, an autobiography, but she, um, she made some complaints back then. I guess mm -hmm. some producer on the original series had basically, you know, tried Sexually to assault her. Yes, her. yes. It was... It wow. was uh, yeah, it was one of those um, uh, Me Too moments, but way before Me Too was a Me Too moment, sure. right? So she was dealing with that. But the fact that conventions kind of brought her back and then yeah. she ended up you know, coming back into the movies and she got promoted, obviously. She went from Yeoman to Ensign. To, and then in this particular episode of Voyager, she's Commander. Commander, she's yeah. the Commander yeah. Yeah, on this uh, episode, which is nice to see a female Commander. Mm -hmm. um, but I love it's, when uh, Tuvok when Tuvok brings uh, Sulu tea, mm. and uh, <laughs> Jane the line Janeway is like, "You never brought me tea." I just <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, um, we get a little bit of backstory with Tuvok. We find out that he was 29 years old, mm -hmm. a mere 29 years old on the bridge of the Excelsior. And then they also make reference to the fact that this took place about 80 some odd years ago. So now yeah. that gives us, you know, Tuvok is roughly what, 109, 110, 110 111. Yeah. yeah. So that's his true age. Sulu has a comment where he says, you know, you, you need to find your sense of humor, Tuvok. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Vulcans have a sense of humor which I love that that he's referring to Spock there and his relationship with Spock and yeah. all these little, you know, Easter eggs and nuggets and references yeah. to the original series. I really, I really enjoyed. I do have mm -hmm. to pause though and say yes. that as we got into this mind meld flashback memory, whatever you want to call it, I think it was a big mistake that they had Tuvok while he's in the memory, the living memory, breaking out of the memory to talk directly to Janeway. I thought that was a mistake because mm. for, me, for me, as the stakes went on and the story went on, I kept wanting, because he kept breaking out of character yeah. in the memory to just talk to Janeway and tell her some backstory or some peripheral story. I found it, it undermined the stakes of the show of the Interesting. story. 
that I think if it had been a memory where Tuvok was like everyone else doing their job and Tuvok and Janeway could just be there as observers and kind of move around and, you know, and what he could watch himself. I think that would have kept the stakes strong and the, and not broken the reality of that memory. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think when Sulu saw Tuvok ultimately much later in our story, he could have seen the other Tuvok and that could have been a much weirder, you know, and then the, as the memory starts collapsing in on itself, it could have been weirder. I just found the way they did it. It probably saved money and time. You, yeah. you, didn't, have, you didn't have to shoot Tim in two places. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I just, I, I felt like it, it took away the, the uh, level of stakes for me in the story because mm -hmm. he was, he kept breaking the fourth wall there, breaking out of that story just to talk to Janeway. Anyway, that's my, my editorial right. there. No, that's, that's great. That's almost like a, a foreshadowing of your do-over. Yes, it is. It um, actually is yeah. very much a foreshadowing <laughs> of my do-over. Uh, and for those of you listening, if you don't know, we, in our, in our bonus material for our Patreon patrons, we, we have different segments that we go through. We do a, a winners and losers of, of each episode. We do a do-over what we would like to see, you know, if we were to do over something in this episode and I'm, kind of referring to Robbie's future do-over and I was right. Look at that. Yeah. Telepathy. Yeah. So Tuvok was a junior science officer. Yeah. Which is not on his record. Mm -hmm. Um Janeway talks about. And uh let's see what else. Um Tuvok then says uh the Klingon moon Praxis is about to explode. And sure enough, mm -hmm. there's a big energy wave and uh it hits the Excelsior and that was the Klingon moon Praxis. Right. Which exploded, which part of the mythology of the original series and of Star Trek, that was uh, an event that led to the first Federation Klingon peace treaty, which was, right. you know, all of these little nuggets that are tied into the original series, um, I thought were really cool. So, well, yeah. And, and you know, if, and if you're a fan, you're loving it, right? You're watching yeah. this going, oh my gosh, look at that. They're tying this in, they're tying that in, right? Yeah. And then yeah. the whole decision on Sulu's part that he needs to go and save. Um, Kirk and McCoy Kirk and Bones, yeah, Kirk and yeah. McCoy from the from the from the clutches of the Klingons, basically. Uh -huh. um, and then Tuvok Tuvok realizes that this is not standard protocol. He objects, and yeah. that one line that that uh, that after Tuvok objects. Oh yeah, I know to exactly Captain the line Sula. you're going to yes. say. This is the line that I started repeating to Tim Russ over and over again. Is that Every, where? This is where it comes the, from. Yeah, oh, whenever I so whenever funny. I would. Yeah, whenever Tim would say something, you know, on set, I, I would, if I wanted to mess with him, I would say, I would say, Ensign Tuvok, you're absolutely right, but you're also absolutely wrong. I would do that to him <laughs> all the time, just to I mess with him. I couldn't remember why that line became so famous. Yeah. I wrote it down here. I wrote it down. I'm like... Yeah. Did, yeah. And I even Googled it. I was like, did he say that in a movie too? Where, why? Is no, that? it's because I said it so many times. It. That's funny. <laughs> it's, it's completely, it's been like, you know, railroaded into everybody's brains that I said this. And it's, oh, it's because it, it was my joking around with Tim. Like I would always mess with him. Like, you know, but it's also, it is the craziest line. Like that's a tough line. I don't know how you deliver that line with. <laughs> Just, you're absolutely right and you're absolutely, absolutely wrong. wrong oh my god 
Wow. That's a tough line. I'm glad I did not. I'm glad I didn't have any lines in this episode. So like I didn't that. have to say yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that was true. a tough one. That was a yeah, tough one. True. Okay. So he, t- he does say regulations be damned. He takes uh, them into the Azure Nebula mm-hmm. uh, to conceal it from the Klingons and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, and then Tuvok collapses again because they start yeah. to they start to go into this nebula, and again he collapses. Yeah, um, we see the doctor says that Tuvok is having more brain damage from this repressed memory. Synaptic gonna, pathways are yeah. continuing to degrade. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and Harry goes into uh, I think this is your long talk with Janeway. And yeah, you don't, you don't see any connection with these nebulas. Technically, they're totally different, although the visual similarity yeah. could be triggering. But the memory is not connected to the little girl. So you guys are mm-hmm. sort of puzzled by that. But then you go into this long conversation with Janeway and Harry Kim about the history of Starfleet. And I got to say, it was very I, sweet. And I, and I, I, and I looked it. at that scene and I was like, wow because i know garrett that you're a a sci-fi fan Mm -hmm. and the fact that you were able to sit and sort of be nostalgic with uh with with kate mulgrew in that scene yeah um you know i think that's really cool it's really it was it was a great little scene i had a fangasm when i was filming that scene for sure i bet i mean it was super super exciting and i you know i liked I liked what I did in that scene, acting wise. I did, I did the only, too. I it was yeah, great. the only thing that I noticed was that it sounded like I had a cold. I don't know if you caught that. It or did. Not. It did. Yeah. Actually, it did sound that way to me. Yeah, I it was a little nasally. A little yeah. nasally. Yeah, it was a little nasally. Then I started thinking, you know, oh my god, is this my homage to the fact that George Takei was on this episode? Because and to me, when George, Takei, yeah. When yeah. George talks, it almost has a bit of nasally to it. You know, there's a little nasal <laughs> nasal quality to it. No, I think you probably just had allergies. I probably cold. had an allergy cold. And and I'm just yeah. I'm shocked that that I, you know, didn't take care of that beforehand, you know, in some way. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing I noticed about that scene. Yeah. Uh, I did I had a cold that a little I, bit, but I, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Okay. Um, Tuvok is awake again after that scene. We go back in sickbay. He wants to mind meld again. He wants to find yeah. this girl, figure this out. So we mind meld, go back on the Excelsior in a, right in a, a battle with the Klingons. Can I tell you what I wrote in my notes? And I said, in my notes, I wrote sickbay. Tuvok, Janeway, mind meld, the sequel is what I wrote. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, continue. So we're on Excelsior. Yeah, um, so we, we go back and, and there's a shift change because uh, Tuvok's shift needs a rest from this battle yeah and Tuvok gamma bunk. shift right gamma shift is i think what, that was uh, what it was basically whitney we call it. and we don't we've never used that terminology on voyager no. we uh-huh. didn't say like okay beta shift come in so no um yeah so now we're in the excelsior quarters uh they have bunk beds like double bunk beds and by the way they sleep in their clothes fully clothed they sleep in, <laughs> they sleep in their jackets they're buttoned up to the top did you notice that they're all sleeping <laughs> with no blankets or pillows or anything Fully dressed. <laughs> I, like, I did not write that, that in my notes. For them. I did write. I said Excelsior quarters with double dunk, double bunk beds. Definitely not Club Tuvok is what no. I wrote. So I, I <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah, so you're right. Tuvok is sleeping in his clothes. Dimitri is wearing everything yeah. from the bridge. Nobody took took. Nobody mm-hmm. took the time to just remove no. their jacket. They didn't. Even care. the they jacket like, no. would have been nice. You know, <laughs> pull a blanket over sheets or something. It's very Spartan. Uh, yeah, Valtain, Lieutenant Valtain, 
uh, wants to Beltane. talk. Yeah. <clears throat> he wants to talk to Tuvok and he says he admires Sulu's orders. Um, yeah. And and you see that uh, Tuvok does not like this. And we get yeah. a lot of backstory after this about yeah. Tuvok was forced to attend Starfleet Academy. He did not want to. Oh my um, God. Forced by his parents. Yeah. You know? And uh, just everything in this conversation it was all exposition but holy moly we learned everything about tuvok in this yep, one. He, Continue. He, he resigned after this mm-hmm. this mission um he he doesn't like humans very much at this point in his life no uh he doesn't like starfleet uh he wanted to go back to vulcan try to uh you know dive into meditation reach a state of pure logic colonar is what they call it to yeah. immerse himself in colonar a regular a rigorous discipline intended to purge all emotions and you're in seclusion when you're doing mm-hmm. this and and while he was doing this he accidentally ponfard <laughs> and how do you accidentally ponfard can you i don't know he, he, <laughs> does like, it involve Whoa. gaseous anomalies as well probably accidentally does. okay with right. tim russ is involved yes <laughs> uh whoops he ponfard so he had some kids yep. and uh having children made him realized that he did want to rejoin Starfleet. So I thought that was an interesting circle to learn about. And really the whole thing of Starfleet was because his parents, his parents were the ones that said, look, you need to join Starfleet. Mm -hmm. And as a young Vulcan, you know, he didn't appreciate what his parents told him and Mm -hmm. not in your right until he had his own children raising his own kids. Did he realize that the decisions he made as a young man were not always in his best interest. And then he understood why his parents decided to send him to the academy and that he had many things to learn from humans and other species. And that's why he left that 50 year hi- Can you imagine that taking a 50 year hiatus from your job and then coming back, which is similar to what I did, very similar mm-hmm. in, in a way, if you think about it. I took a long, long, long hiatus, close to 15, 16 years before I started acting again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's a lot of wonderful backstory for Tuvok that yeah. we rarely hear for any of our character no. main players no. for Voyager. Uh, we go back on the bridge. Kang is the Klingon captain up on the bridge talking to Sulu. And he congratulates Sulu for his well-deserved captain post, Mm -hmm. he says. Um, But he insists that they leave. And Sulu agrees. Sulu's got this trick plan. Um, He asks Tuvok, what is this uh, gaseous anomaly made of? And uh, Tuvok says, it's an explosive gas. (laughs) Again, I just had trouble. Cerulean, cerulean, cerulean. Cerulean. I I had trouble not, not laughing. I'm, tw- I, I, I'm yeah. inside. I'm 12 years old. So, uh, but Sulu wants to ignite this gaseous anomaly with a positron beam, and then run for it. Robbie, I'm going to say this: if we're at a if we're at a convention together and yeah. we're sitting next to each other signing autographs, if you have a lot of gaseous anomalies, I'm going to just look at you and say, "Enough with the cerulean! Enough with the cerulean!" Robbie, yeah. cerulean okay? is yeah. That's our code word for far. Yeah, that's new street language for. For explosive fart, explosive fart is cerulean. Regular fart is just gaseous. Anomaly. Just gaseous anomaly. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm good. Um, yeah. So they're headed back. They're headed for Kronos, and three Klingon battle cruisers are in hot pursuit. And there's mm-hmm. some more battling going on, and uh, Lieutenant Valtain, uh, you know, Tuvok knows what's going to happen in this thing, and he tells him get away from there, but he doesn't. Mm-mm. Valtain is is uh, killed, and he says Tuvok, and then dies. 
<laughs> so what we learned is that's the moment where the virus was passed on. We're going yeah. down the road. Yeah. Also, now the the neural patterns are starting to merge into one. Janeway and Tuvok's neural yes, patterns. So the doctor notices this, and um, basically Sulu notices, notices Janeway now. He's for the like, first "Who are time. you, dude? Who are you? Exactly." So yeah. um, Janeway and Tuvok are then sent to the brig yep. uh, because they're not, you know, something weird is going on. And then, are they in the mess hall? Are they in Excelsior's mess hall when they uh, when Tuvok does the um, the Vulcan pinch? The Vulcan pinch on uh, Janice Rand. Hard is that the tell. mess? What is that? I don't know. It was a small doorway. They probably cheated something for uh, okay for for wherever they were. But I love the the line of dialogue where uh, Tuvok says, "Asking female officers for their clothing may lead to misunderstandings." Yes. I thought that was very funny. I loved it too. Yeah. It was sort of our cognizance of me too before yes. me too, in yes. a way. Yeah? Yes. Vulcans <laughs> understand. Yeah. You just don't ask a, a female officer for their clothing. Uh, you don't ask anybody for their clothes. You don't say like, hey, can I have your clothing? This would be weird. You know, if, especially the clothing you're wearing. Like if it's like, hey, do you have a sweater in your closet I could borrow? Fine. That's all good. But like, hey, can you take your pants off? <laughs> and can I have them? Weird. So. Well, you know what this tells me? All HR departments in every major corporation should yes. be manned by Vulcans because Vulcans That's understand. Right. Yes. <laughs> they get it. Um, all right. So now we're in Voyager sick bay. Uh, yeah. A cortical stimulator is programmed to emit Thoron radiation yeah, and right. we're think. well the doc is thinking that this will bombard his telepathic cortex to terminate the meld because Janeway and Tuvok are stuck in this meld mm -hmm. um, that's when the doc discovers there's not one not two memory engrams but three memory engrams and what is it it's a virus masquerading as a memory engram how mm -hmm. brilliant yep the memory uh it, it, the memory is a is a virus. It's not really a memory. It's a virus. It thrives on the peptides generated in the brain, hides uh, hides in the brain as a repressed memory. But it's not. It's a virus. Yeah. Yeah. And the memory is so traumatic that it would guarantee to stay repressed or hidden by wh whoever the host is. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the the thoron radiation. By the way, I think thoron radiation we use to fix a lot of things. It fixes a lot of things. Like <laughs> when in doubt. Call it a gaseous anomaly or fix it with thoron radiation. Um, There's an African-American comedian that talks about like how the grandmother would always use Robitussin for everything. It was like, oh, you skin your elbow, throw some Tussin on it. You know, you did this like, like Robitussin is the, Robitussin. the uh, yeah. So for it's us the fix -all. on Voyager, the fix all is thoron radiation. Thoron radiation. Yeah. That's right. I find it interesting. We have that shot. Um, on the precipice and you have the young different versions of everybody. Janeway like Jane, and everybody. Yeah, Janeway is that that little chubby redhead girl, which was kind of cute. I'm like, that's yeah. different. Um, a, a Neanderthal kid, right? An African tribal kid you see. And so, you know, at first I was thinking, what are they doing? But then you realize this virus has been around for so long that it started during neanderthal times right you wow. see the caveman kid there right so the cave kid not a caveman but a cave kid mm -hmm. so that to me signified that this virus has been around since the dawn of time wow. um and finally finally voyager in voyager times that virus is eradicated wow took that long yeah took a long time to figure it out 
And there we go. And then, then at the very end, we have a little uh, walk and talk moment with Tuvok and Janeway mm-hmm. talking about the nostalgia of the old days. And Tuvok's like, I don't feel nostalgia, uh, yeah. but I'm glad you do. And yeah. so you, you can feel all that feel nostalgia for, both of for us. me. Yeah. 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 I thought that was a sweet moment. Yeah, I, I like the episode. I mean, this is, you know, you're. it's always tricky to try to incorporate members of Star Trek from prior casts, you know, mm-hmm. into uh, an episode. But uh, I think Brandon Braga did a good job of, of figuring out a way to somehow bring Sulu into it. Um, and all the little Easter eggs and little references to all the other um, bits of Trek history that we already know about is, is absolutely wonderful. So I, mm-hmm. I like that. For sure. I'm going to give this a thumbs down on my end. I got to be honest. Okay. Go for it. The only thing that holds value for me is that nostalgia, the the incorporation of mm-hmm. Sulu and yeah. uh, and Grace Lee Whitney and yeah. and the the connections and stories. But as a as an episode for me, I find this very unsatisfying because mm. I never I never felt um I never felt like Tuvok was really in danger of dying. I didn't have an emotional experience to that. Um, maybe if while they were in this memory, if there had been some more cutting back to sickbay and feel the the stress and the drama that was going on in sickbay to keep them alive, or you know, mm-hmm. Janeway maybe dying too. I don't know. It was missing a whole element of stakes for me. Um, and and as I said before, I think because Tuvok was sort of breaking character constantly, I felt like it was more someone telling a story than an actual dramatic situation okay. being acted out. Yeah. It, it just felt like, Oh, let's, you know, Tuvok's going to tell this story. And I never felt any of the stakes were very um, significant or real. They just felt, mm-hmm. it felt like it lacked any, any, yeah. any stakes or, or true consequences. So I anyway, you. I would okay. uh, I would say it was a it was a great intellectual exercise for me, but as an experience of watching it, it was not one of my favorite episodes. So, from a go. scale of one to ten, what are you going to give it? Mm, I'd give it a five, right in the middle. Okay, maybe a hmm. four or five. No more than a five. No less than a four. Okay, <clears throat> fair enough. Fair enough. You are entitled to your opinion, sir. Yeah, that's so. my that's my honest opinion. Just go. All ahead. right. So the theme for me in this episode is nostalgic memories are not trustworthy. That's what <laughs> I kind of boiled it down to. Because, you know, there was a lot of nostalgia in Tuvok's memory of being on the Excelsior and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a distraction to really what was at the core of it was where this virus came from. And, you know, so a lot of it was smoke and mirrors that really wasn't very reliable um, ultimately. Um, Mm. And, and even the memory of the child was, is, you know, feels like some nostalgic memory of, Oh, that when I was a young boy, as a young Tuvok, I, there was this girl that I didn't want her to die. And I have this memory. It was not a, even a real memory. There was nothing real about it. It was all concocted. So to me, those kind of deep nostalgic sort of memories through a filter of, of a lot of time are not that trustworthy. Hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah. For me, I think the lesson here is that youth usually 
is not partnered with wisdom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Meaning, <clears throat> I'm referring to Tuvok, you know, his decision to leave mm-hmm. Starfleet and then he took off for 50 years. And really, it was the parents that encouraged him to be, yeah. to go to Starfleet Academy. And so, you know, listen to your parents. Sometimes they know things <laughs> that you. Respect you your no, elders. Respect your elders. That is the theme and the lesson here. Respect <laughs> your elders and realize that wisdom comes with age. Okay. And young, you know, headstrong individuals, although they think they might be right, they're usually not. So mm-hmm. listen That's to good. Your, I like respect it. your elders. That'll Thank be my, my lesson for this episode. Thank you. All righty. Thanks everyone for tuning in to our review of Flashback. Um, stay tuned next week when Robbie and I will be covering our seminal, our seminal season three Paris and Kim episode, The Shoot. Mm. The Shoot. I'm ready for it. I'm really excited. It's a big one. All right. It's a good one. It's a good one. That'll be fun. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. See you guys next week. Uh, Stay tuned for your uh, bonus material for all of you Patreon patrons. Thanks, guys. Mm